women, when they have the means, they want to help other people. So when a woman is connected and feels supported, she will connect to more people and support more other people. In other words, when a woman rises, everyone rises. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome to the second episode of Messy and Magnificent. I am so excited to be back here with you. I had such a blast filming the last episode. I'm here with Ian in the studio, and he's been the most supportive person. And I just cannot emphasize enough how important it is that we have people by our side during good times and during the challenging times. And that is exactly the topic of today's podcast episode. So when I ask my audience, all right, Like, what's one of the first topics that I speak about a lot that you want me to cover in a podcast? I was blown away because it was not what I expected. Folks wanted me to talk about what me and and my podcast, what we, or my podcast in my practice, what we call popular isolation. Now, if that's a new term to you, it's because it is a new term. We've kind of coined it around here. And what it means, popular isolation, is this phenomenon that happens for driven women when you might have a good family or good friends or good coworkers, and yet you still feel alone. You feel like before you even get out of bed in the morning, there's this burden on your shoulders and nobody else fully understands everything that's running through your mind or everything that you're having to navigate throughout the day. And it's exhausting. It's isolating. It's also perplexing because you're around lots of other people. So it's strange to feel alone in a sea of other people. So today we're going to cover what popular isolation is and then how to to cure it. So today, here's what we're going to cover. We're going to cover the research-based reasons behind why having quality friends really matters. We're going to talk about the symptoms of popular isolation. I promise you, they are not what you think. It's not just feeling lonely. Trust me. We're also going to talk about what attributes in a person makes for an ideal friend once you're an adult and what does not, who you might want to lean away from. And then we're going to talk specifically about how we go about curing popular isolation. Then just to make sure all the bases are covered, I'm going to give you three doable ways to start making friends as an adult. Because if you haven't noticed, now that we're not on the playground anymore, or we're not in after school sports or theater or whatever you'd love to do when you're a kid, making friends as an adult is in a totally different ballgame. So before we dive in, quick shout out to the women that came to the live Boundaries Like a Boss Masterclass that I did online recently. Oh my gosh, I was bowled over by how many women showed up and how eager we are to elevate our boundary game. I mean, like women were coming in there totally confused, leaving like no ninjas, asking me the best questions in the world. I just appreciate how eager we are to make sure that we have healthy boundaries. So if you missed that or you were there, but you want full access, we recorded the whole thing. We also have this awesome workbook that goes with it that will guide you step by step through the five steps of having healthy boundaries. 
boundaries, make sure you hop over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast. Look for this episode too. I'll put a link in there. It's totally for free. There is nothing for sale in there, but a whole lot of content that you're not going to get anywhere else. So please thank you everybody who was there. And if you weren't, go ahead and, and join me now. So let's dive in. First things first. I like research. I like facts. I like science just as much as I do soul. Now, there's a lot out there about why having quality friends really matters. And we're going to go specifically just through some bullet points. Just know that there are notes for every single episode of these podcasts over on my website, so carlyfane.com forward slash podcast. And I'll give a link to each of these studies in case any of them fascinates you and you want to read more. But let me give you the cliff notes. What research has shown again and again about why having quality friends matter is number one, women with quality friends live longer and they recover from illness quicker. Number two, women with quality friends have a professional leg up. In fact, there was a joint study done between Notre Dame and Northwestern University, and it showed that a tight group of female friends is the number one indicator of professional success. Isn't that wild? I I think that's fascinating. Number three, why having really quality friends matters is that we process stress in a much healthier way right? So hopefully you're having a lot less of the symptoms related to popular isolation. So Dr. Lara Cusino-Klein of Penn State, she did this really fascinating research study that I loved, where she researched a lot about how women cope with stress. And she came up with what she calls the tend and befriend pattern, tend and befriend, which is really in contrast to the fight or flight behavior pattern that we've always been told is what happens to everybody when we feel stressed. What she's noticing is that men and women actually, on a hormonal level, react differently to stress. So if a woman is stressed out, she might get a quick burst of some stressed hormones like epinephrine or norepinephrine or cortisol, and then comes some oxytocin. Now, the female hormone estrogen balances and kind of enhances oxytocin's role, and it has this feeling of wanting to tend or befriend in response to stress meaning that a woman is more likely to want to go and process or connect with somebody else, and she is more likely to do better when she gets to do that. Now, that might be as simple as just hopping on the phone and talking something out with a girlfriend or meeting up in person when you can, or they also saw in the study that this might be the reason women like to stop and ask for help when they're lost and actually get directions, that there's this innate need to be part of community. Now I'm going to quote her because here's what the study said. For women, didn't quite make any sense from an evolutionary standpoint that fight or flight would be the go-to response. It's a rare female species that would ever leave her baby to fend for itself while she physically takes on an aggressor, right? Females are more likely to protect their children and to bond with other females who can help provide protection in the process of that. So what we know is that having a core group of people that we can talk to, that we can lean on, makes all the difference in our ability to cope with stress. And like I said, I'll put a link up to that study. It's, it's actually a riveting read, and I know not all, not all science journals are exciting, but this is a really good one to read. And now here's the fourth thing, the fourth reason that having a good, healthy adult relationship really matters. It helps all of society. Now, many studies, including one done by Harvard, shows that time and time again that women will use their connections, their power, and their influence to help other people. 
It's just what we do. Women, when they have the means, they want to help other people. So when a woman is connected and feels supported, she will connect to more people and support more other people. In other words, when a woman rises, everyone rises. Now, Barbara Stanley has some great research about that in her book, Sacred Success, which I love. It's not a recent publication. It came out a number of years ago, but it really helped me start showing up for my finances in a more empowered way. And it helped me understand why having connections as a woman is really important, especially for those of us who are more introverted in nature, which I totally am. And we'll talk more about that. What do you do if you're an introvert and yet you're still craving some some connections? So all of this is to say, that I don't see friendship as optional. (laughs) They're not like this treat we get to later on. They are foundational. Nourishing, healthy, positive relationships will keep us healthier. It'll help us bounce back from illness. It'll help all of society. It helps us cope with stress. These are pretty powerful things, and it also helps us in our career, and not just in the, the regular traditional networking way where we just meet as many people as possible. I am talking about giving you the fortitude to genuinely keep rising in your career, to be motivated and inspired. So let's make sure you're in the right conversation here. I'm going to go over some of those symptoms of popular isolation. This is what I see show up time and time again for the women in my practice who are suffering from this popular isolation. First, they have excessive worry and doubt, like all the time. If you're finding yourself worried about things or worried about things more than is really legit, more than you know you need to be, but it's still happening, or you're just feeling doubtful about who you are or your capabilities on a regular basis, that might be a symptom of popular isolation. Another symptom of popular isolation is chronically being stressed out, just feeling like you're cooked to the max all the time. Third symptom of popular isolation is going round and round in that beautiful mind of yours with the same thoughts or thought patterns. So it's like you got an idea or you have a hunch or there's something you think about and you're just like a broken record. Round and round again, nothing particularly changes. You're just kind of trapped in this thought sequence. Another common symptom of popular isolation is feeling stuck and feeling unsure that things will ever get better. So you might just feel like you are locked in a place no matter what you do, you just can't get yourself to move out of it. It's like you've been there forever or you've been there for longer than you want to be. Got two more for you. Another common symptom of popular isolation is feeling underappreciated, like you're never enough. If you're feeling like no matter how much you do, it's never enough, there's a good chance that popular isolation is happening here. And then the last one, and not because it's the least. In fact, this might be one of the most common things I hear from driven women. They begin to feel inauthentic. They don't feel like they're being their full selves. Maybe they can be a little bit a part of themselves with one group of people and a little bit with another part, but there's this deep craving for more authenticity. So here's what you need to know. If any of those symptoms are showing up for you, they are not a sign that something is wrong with you. (laughs) Also, not having your ideal friend group right now is definitely not a sign that something is wrong with you. So if you're having any funny thoughts around that, you can shake that off right now. We have not been taught this before. (laughs) Nobody told us as an adult how to form meaningful, lasting relationships. So this might be the first time you're getting to have this conversation. So if any of that is relatable, you are in the right place. 
Now we're going to go over some of the attributes that make for ideal friends. And then we're also going to talk about what just doesn't work in adult relationships so that you can kind of know up front. Who does it make sense to invest some time and some energy into cultivating a meaningful relationship with and who not so much maybe, or at least not right now? Because if I'm honest, and you know this, not all friendships are created equal. (laughs) Like they're just not, they're not all the same level. And we want to get you some real bang for your buck. We want to get you people that have your back no matter what. I think of it like a flock, right? You want to have a flock of people with you. But let me be really clear when I say flock. A flock does not need to be big. In fact, it can be just one or two or three close people. That is plenty. It is enough. In fact, I find that I'm able to have about two really close best friends at a time and then lots of other friends, but I have two core women, Kate and Lynn, in my life on a regular basis that I would be lost without. We always have each other's back. And for me, that is enough. So just know that we're not talking about quantity here. We are talking about quality. So here, We're going to start with what doesn't work in healthy adult friend relationships. If we're going to that metaphor of having a flock, we don't want honkers. (laughs) When I say honkers, I mean like geese who are flying right now. I live in upstate New York and it's fall foliage time and all the geese are starting to fly and they're super, super loud. A honker is a person that will talk over you or does not really listen in the first place. No matter what you're saying, they're interrupting or they're talking over you. We don't need that. The other thing that doesn't really help us are one-uppers. Now, one-uppers are people that no matter what you say, they're going to tell you a better version of what's going on related to what you just said in their own life. For example, if you have a win, like, hey, I just got this new job promotion, they're going to tell you about how super great their job already is, right? Or if you have a hard day and you're just feeling down on your luck, they're going to tell you how their day was even worse. So there's kind of this one-upmanship, and that's not healthy. The other thing that doesn't really work in adult relationships that took me a long time to realize is that it doesn't work if a person is not willing or able to make the time to have a friendship. Now, when I say willing or able, I mean they either don't have the time because maybe there's something really big going on in their world right now. Maybe they're making a move. Maybe they just had a baby. Maybe they just got a promotion and they're not going to be there for your regular interactions or they're just not going to prioritize it. Doesn't mean anything's wrong with them. Certainly doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. You're just not a match right now. So if they're not willing or able to be in a real relationship with you, okay, cool. Just not your person right now. Here's the last one that doesn't work. We cannot expect any one person to be all the things, right? We need different people for different things. And it was my younger sister, Kelsey, give her a shout out, who taught me this. She learned this early on in her marriage where she realized, I can't expect my husband, Matt, to be the person I go to with everything. Like he is so good when I go to him with advice around certain things. But there are other things that I got to call my best friend, Nina, up, right? And she's going to know how to handle that. Or I'm going to need to call somebody else because they're going to know how to handle that, right? We can't expect any one person to be the everything for us. And there are rare exceptions. There is the gale to the occasional Oprah, right? We might hit the jackpot, but it's also really normal. And I just want to normalize the fact 
that one person may not meet all your needs and you might need different people for different situations. Like I've gotten the people I go to who run their own careers, who I can go to when I'm scared about taking a big professional step because I know they're going to say, you can do it. I've been there. How can I support you? I might not go to somebody who you generally like is pretty low key and wants to play it safe when I need some inspirational support because they might tell me to not do the thing I really want to do, right? So it's normal to have different people for different things. We don't expect one person to be all the things. Now, here's what does work in healthy adult relationships, friendships. It's the opposite of all the above, right? So not honkers, but people that listen. Not one-uppers, but people who genuinely hold value in your experience. They don't need to outshine you in any given moment. They are willing and they're able to invest in this relationship with you and whatever that looks like, right? So so there are some friends I only talk to once every six months. We pick up where we left off and it's amazing. There are other friends I talk with every week or every two weeks, right? So you just want them to be on a similar page to what works for you. And then, of course, we have a variety of different peoples in our lives. But there's one more thing that works in healthy relationships that doubles as the cure for popular isolation. (laughs) Like, this is it. This is the crux at how we finally solve this issue that we're having around popular isolation. Ready? We have to get real. What I mean when I say we got to get real is popular isolation is at its root is often about craving more authenticity. We want to be able to go below the surface and talk about what we really care about with people. So we don't want to just chit chat about the weather. There's anybody we can talk to about that or we can anybody we can talk to about what's happening with any given sports team or how their kids did in a basketball match or whatever it is. Like there's some things that are just pretty safe and easy surface level, still important conversation, but they might not feed your soul. The cure for popular isolation is daring to talk below the surface, going a little deeper than hi, how are you, or how was work today. It's asking follow-up questions. So if you're finding that you want to have more friends in your life that you can talk about more meaningful things with, like, uh, you know, my friends I go to the bar with every Friday night, they're really fun, I really love them, but I don't feel like very satisfied at the end of the night. If you want people to go below the surface, you have to lead the way you have to begin to talk below the surface too. And this is one thing that I realized. So for all my introverted sisters out there who are just like me, I'm a total introvert. I love people. I love doing public speaking. And yet I find that I mostly recharge when I'm by myself, when I'm solo. And I need a lot of that. I need a lot of space. What I've noticed is that it's not just that I don't like being around people. That's not what it is. I'm just super drained by chit chat. (laughs) I'm really invigorated and energized when I'm around people that can go below the surface. But chit chat just makes me want to hide, you know, alone in my house. So we want to be aware of that for you too. If you want people that will talk below the surface, you've got to talk below the surface too. Now I want to make that really doable. I want to give you some fun ideas for some conversation starters that you might try. No, you don't need to do all of these. Just listen for maybe one that speaks to you. Because these are ways that I have learned I'm able to form deeper and more meaningful connections with people right off the bat. Or on the flip side, just know if this person and I are never going to be a full match, right? So I have found that when I'm at a dinner party or I'm in the grocery store, I start chit-chatting with somebody. Oftentimes, a dead-end conversation can be a starter like, what do you do for a living? 
because only a certain percentage, in fact, it's only 20%, statistically speaking, of Americans are happy with their jobs. They're actually satisfied with their jobs, meaning the bulk of people are not fully enlivened by what they're doing for work, which is part of what I'm on a mission to correct out here. We got to make sure you love your job and your job loves you. But that means the odds are not stacked in your favor if you ask somebody what they do for a living, right? What we want to ask are questions that are going to spark their interest. It might sound something like, hey, what are you passionate about right now? Or what interests you right now? Or hey, it's so nice to meet you. You know, what, what are you finding inspiring right now? Like what captivates your interest? What lifts you up? Right there, we're going to the heart of the matter. Now, here is where I want to make like a really clear caveat. When I ask this question, I would say 90% of the time, people dive right in. They're kind of taken back by it, and then they meet me right where I am. And the next thing I know, I am knowing things about this person that maybe nobody else knows, and we're making plans to hang out and have tea soon, right? But there is a percentage of people who will look at me like I am absolute batshit bonkers. They have no idea what's going on, and I can tell I've made them totally uncomfortable. And I've come to learn, thank goodness for that. Because if this person's going to talk to me for much longer than they have already, they're going to find out that I'm not average. I'm not normal. And I would rather know right off the bat if they can hang with that. Like if our conversations are going to stay at surface level, we'll better find out the first time we meet, right? So another way of doing this, when people say on the flip side, hey, how are you, right? Or how are you doing? Is to answer with a really authentic question. So if somebody says, you know, hey, Sally, how you doing? An answer might sound like, I'm mostly good. That's something a dear friend of mine, Alana Siegel, says. She runs a great studio, LifeWorks, over in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And she's the queen when I say, how are you doing? She's got three young kids. She's running this yoga studio of saying, I'm mostly good, right? I'm mostly good. And then we lead with a question that we are asking ourselves in the moment. That might sound something like, I'm mostly good. I've been asking myself what it might look like to start volunteering one day in a month. I'm really curious about that. Or I'm really good. I'm asking myself what more generosity might look like in my days or how I could do that. Or I'm doing mostly good. I'm trying to figure out how you know when it's time to leave a job or when it's time to stay. I'm just keep coming back and back to this question. And so what that's doing is it's leading authentically with something you're interested, with something that you're passionate about, that they might be able to jump in and join you on. So I hope you can understand a little bit about how that helps us, this being real. If we want other people to be below the surface with us, we've got to lead the way. We can't wait for them to do it. So let's go into three quick doable ways to make friends as an adult, because I'm going to be a little bit corny here, right? But There are three things that really have something in common. Having great friends, feeling optimistic, and having your haircut appointments, right? The three things, those three things have in common is that they don't happen by accident. (laughs) Once you're an adult, we don't make friends by accident all the time. We don't accidentally feel all optimistic all the time. And we surely don't get haircut appointments scheduled for us unless you've got an assistant that's doing that, right? So in other words, I know that's kind of a quirky way of getting to the point here. If we don't consciously create friends or an opportunity to feel optimistic or make that haircut or dentist appointment, we might not notice that we don't have them until we are way overdue for them, right? Until we're desperate. So the first way that is doable for us to begin to make friends as an adult is we've got to prioritize it. We've got to prioritize it. 
Now, Kate Northrop and Mike Watts, they have this great podcast that I love, The Kate and Mike Show. Huge shout out to them. They did an episode on making friends as an adult that I just really love. I think it's episode 147. Don't quote me on that. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Go over there. They talked about this. They talked about how they've learned that they have to prioritize making these relationships, meaning that they have to have time scheduled for it. And I'm the same way. It's not like I'm sitting around looking at like buckets of surplus time. I definitely have time abundance in my day, but it's not there by accident. It's there because I schedule it. And the same with relationships. So if you're looking at your calendar and you don't have at least one connection with a meaningful person in there a week, odds are you might be feeling some popular isolation. So we've got to prioritize it. And the thing is, it's never going to be a good time. Sometimes that'd be slightly better than others, but their odds are you're never going to be sitting around like, I've just got all this free time in the world and I'd love to be out there making some friends. It's like, we must schedule in meaningful connection time and then women who thrive, we guard that time like a mama bear guards her cubs. That's the deal. Once it's in there, we don't bail on our friends come hell or high water. Of course, there's extenuating circumstances. Last night is a great example of this. Getting ready to come to New York City today to record this podcast. I was totally nervous because these are the first few podcasts we're recording. I was wanting to go through my notes. I needed to pack, but I had a date scheduled with my dear friend, Lynn. We were going to FaceTime and sip some tea and catch up. And I was really tempted to bail on it. And of course, Lynn would have understood. But I knew at the end of the day that if her and I spoke, I would feel renewed and refreshed. And by golly, that is exactly what happened. I went into that hangout, that FaceTime tea time with Lynn, feeling like I don't have time for this. This is too much. And I left feeling spacious and clear and at least a little bit more confident that I could handle recording this episode, right? So we prioritize it. The second doable way we start to make friends as an adult is we get kind of researchy about it. We get a little scientific about it. I want you to consider, what are the types of people you want to connect with And what are they doing, right? Do they do yoga? Are you a yoga buff, right? Is there a local yoga studio you could be going to more often? Or are they volunteer type of people? Are they generous folks? Where are they volunteering? How can you get involved in that group? How do you start to get connected in that way? Do you love other people who are career driven just like you are? Are there there some career meetups or some networking events going on? So we start to get really pragmatic. I mean, literally make a list. What are the kind of people that I like? And where are they? And then how can I go there? Right? Not every day, but once a month. Like how can I make some type of date to show up where they are, right? The more we show up, the higher the odds are that we might meet somebody there. Here's the third one. This is something that I live by because for the longest time I have lived in a very rural area of Western Massachusetts before I moved to New York. And so There wasn't a whole lot of people within my age range who were particularly driven and really like to be laid back and low key at the same time, right? It was really easy to find type A, super driven, all in career folks who maybe didn't have a lot of relationships or their relationships weren't going great. And it was also really easy to find super loving, wonderful people who were kind of okay with the status quo and weren't really making career moves. And I realized I'm both, right? I like both. And so I realized I need to create the group. This is a big part of why I created the Reclaiming Time Studio, which is a private coaching group just for driven women who are creating their own careers, who also want to be fully nourished. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, in case that speaks to you. But it's like, I don't want to be the only one here, right? How can I create the thing that I'm not seeing out there in the world? Got a great client, Meredith, right now, who's done exactly that. She knew she works in the equine field as a equine psychologist, which 
I had to learn does not mean you're a therapist to horses. It means you're, you're the psychologist that helps people that ride horses. And she knew she wanted to be connected to other people who were really um, driven to ride horses, but also have really good lives at the same time. And they wanted to stay passionate and invigorated. And so she created a group for that. She wasn't seeing it where she was. And so she started it. So sometimes we have to start the thing. Sometimes you need to go to meetup.com and start a meetup. You like to hike, start a hiking group. You like to knit, start a knitting group. You like to have time away from your kids, start a, a no kids allowed group, right? Whatever speaks to you. Now, here's the bonus move. Those are the three tips, right? Prioritizing it, getting a little scientific about it, and then creating what you don't find. We don't get the luxury of waiting around for friends. We actually have to show up for them. Now, here's the bonus move. Tea time. And when I say tea time, I'm not talking about golf time. I'm talking about sipping tea time. In the event that you come across somebody whose company you enjoy, who meets the criteria that we already spoke about earlier of what makes a good, solid friend, you got to invite them out to something. You might have to make the first move. You might have to say, can we get tea together? Can I take you out for coffee? Or do you want to come over to my house? Or do you want to go see this play together? Or this author's doing a book signing? You might have to make the first move because sometimes the girl sitting on the outskirts hoping somebody asks her to dance doesn't get to dance. And frankly, we don't have that kind of time, right? We're not here forever. We want these meaningful relationships now. So I really encourage you to summon the courage when you meet somebody to just ask them out because there's a really good chance that they might also be looking for more friends at the same time because what we're noticing is this commonality of popular isolation. So I dare you to make the first move. Now, I do not want you to try to do all of these action steps today. That's just overkill. It's obnoxious. It's way too much. You got stuff to do. What you're going to do is you're going to pick one thing that stood out from you and you're going to start there. You're going to start with that one step, the piece that spoke to you. I assure you that these steps, these ideas, they're like individual pearls on a string of pearls, like a pearl necklace. And if you pick up one, the rest will start to come along for the ride. So you're going to pick one. Maybe you're going to get scientific about it. Maybe you're going to prioritize it and reach out to somebody you haven't connected with in a while. Maybe you're going to create the thing you're not finding. Maybe you're just going to ask somebody out to tea or yoga or pick up game of basketball or whatever you love to do, right? You're going to pick the one thing. Now, here's what I want to know from you. I want to know what part of this podcast, because we covered a lot, what part of this podcast really stood out? What is that one phrase or idea or aha bolt of lightning moment you had that you don't want to forget? And then I want you to go over to that place where you listen to this podcast, wherever you got access to it, and make a review. Make sure you subscribe so that you get the next episode because writing a review, it tells me what's working so I can create even more of that for you. It also lets me connect with you directly. We can solve a little bit of popular isolation here by knowing each other. And I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. It also, if I'm being really transparent, helps the algorithm for this podcast, meaning more women will have access to curing popular isolation when you leave a comment. It will show up higher in their feed, and perhaps we can help somebody else not feel alone. So share this with somebody else that you think it might be speaking to. Make sure you leave a review and you subscribe. And let me give you a little preview on what's happening in the next episode. We're going to talk about what modern success really looks like. 
because it is not this myth of like an upward line going on a chart. So if you feel like you're always having to work super, super hard, and yet there's still more work to do, and you're feeling behind or wondering what the next moves in your career or your health or your relationship could look like, you're not going to want to miss this podcast. We're going to go over the four phases that allow us to grow, and you're going to find out exactly what phase you're in which steps make sense for you to lean into because they're going to give you a lot of return and which things you do not need to worry about now. You will feel like you leave that conversation with way more space to breathe and knowing exactly where you are and what your next steps are going to be moving forward. So thank you again for joining me in this lifelong conversation where being messy and magnificent are allowed. I'll see you next week for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.